Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today I'm delighted to be joined by Mike McGrath-Brien. How's it going, Mike? Not too bad at all. Thanks a million for having me on. Mike, uh, fingers in so many pies that I can't quite keep track of. You do the Red on Red podcast Red every on Red Wednesday, podcast. talking to various people around Cork and uh, playing a load of Cork music. Mm-hmm. And you just did 100 episodes. Uh, Albert was your guest number 100 from mm-hmm. um, formerly of Plugged and uh, ve- uh, seen around town. Putting on, He's putting on a great show coming up, isn't he? Yes, he on February 22nd, No Spill Blood and Percolator at the Kino. Uh, tickets are 12 euro <laughs> at the door and 10 euro at uticket.ie look at um, that information straight out the gap straight out the gap that them, information and you also do the Echo regular yep. contributor to the Echo and to uh, dot com. and what else am I missing? infrequent contributor to Dublin Digital Radio uh, with the correspondent improv sound art collective and totally Dublin and totally Dublin uh, involved with the uh, record reviews and other bits and pieces there internally as well. So fingers in a lot of pies, most of them half-baked. <laughs> so what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to look back at kind of a decade of Cork music, which kind of, it sounds like a good idea in my it's head. And then, and then it sounds a little bit daunting because how do you cover everything? How do you make sure that you don't really annoy people and that some people don't miss out? So we're going to kind of take it casually enough and we'll see what we do or don't cover and as soon as i press stop i know that uh we'll be like oh we forgot to say this we forgot to say that but just know if you run into us on the street or something like that um <laughs> you can you can just you know give out to us then yeah we're very amenable to being given out to <laughs> so that's what's coming up um just i was just kind of thinking on on the way here mike that cork weathered a lot over the 10 years mm-hmm. like when you think back to 2010 um just trying to put yourself into the position that like the recession was really just starting to take a grip then and now you see it on the other side and you're like gee you know i I didn't think it was all going to survive um and some things didn't but relatively healthy live music scene Mm -hmm. i think and you know you can talk about the overarching issues of the fact that artists aren't making um a lot of money nowadays in comparison maybe even to 2010 but generally speaking i think you know the scene is quite healthy at the moment and as vibrant as ever i don't know is that maybe due to the fact that like the internet is just there and people are just like doing whatever they want knowing that there is going to be that audience that you're not limited to like just the the city i think just there the are county more, lines. there are more platforms than ever before to be heard on between the rise of streaming between the kind of settling of the blogosphere, because you remember in the 2010s in particular, there was the Wild West of different people starting blogs. It seemed like something new was starting every day, and I think the great survivors of that have been, you know, Nylor9.com, The Thin Air being a kind of conglomeration of people in and around Alternative, Ulster Magazine and State Magazine. Um, But also, you know, things like podcasting coming up, uh, TPOE, uh, the point of everything um, kind of started earlier in the decade as well, didn't it? Yeah, I think it might be um, nine years old, ten years old, yeah. something like that. Congratulations. Thanks. But you also had uh, things that have gone by the wayside, like um, We Are Noise. Uh, that was a great spot for a while. Drop uh, D as well. I was responsible that. for running Drop D into the ground, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Insert Title had a very good run as well of about six or seven issues, if I remember correctly. And I think, as I was talking about with our um, our article on God Alone, the metal band in com, I think... 
we're very firmly now in the post-genre situation where we're at the first wave of young musicians that grew up having access to everything all the time. Whereas I suppose the last time we were working together on a project was my master's project and we were talking about your growing up with NME and waiting for the weekly installment of it and you know just that was how you received music before everybody had access to everything and with that floodgate haven't opened up you know people are taking influence from everywhere things are more eclectic now than they ever have been and people have a wider frame of reference as listeners and as gig goers as well which always fed into the eclecticism that was at the heart of the cork scene even 10 years ago where you had metalers going to noise gigs or you know the likes of elk drawing you know the alternative rock fans or you know just people just supporting each other back and forth and there being a very kind of tight venn diagram of people that were doing things as well so and that's one of the things that you always hear about the cork scene itself is that like it is kind of everybody helping each other out like even when we we kind of drop you know a list of bands that we might talk about throughout this episode kind of giving the story of uh cork music through the decade but the way that you know uh this guy in this band also plays in that band she also plays in this and that and that other band as well like there there is as you say that 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 kind of venn diagram of music and it is it's really healthy to see isn't it Mm -hmm. i mean we can talk about the very real concerns that not only the recession presented in 2010 because we did lose venues we did lose spaces but also on the tail end uh, the housing crisis is the most real threat to the continued sustainability of the cork scene at present because you know it's everywhere from seeing the rubble on sullivan's key and camden key where we used to go to gigs and we used to run gigs all the way up to Ghost King is Dead's new single, Palm Tree, just literally being about a young fella deciding, will he emigrate? You know, is this dissonance of what he wants to be versus the realities of things happening? I mean, that's a very real decision that some of us, all of us, at you know, at one stage or another in the 2010s, has had to make. And the fact that that choice is kind of being visited on people the second time in a decade can be a little bit gutting. But I think, you know, the best music down throughout history has always come from places of need and from places of urgency and you know i think what we're seeing now is a reaction to to what's happening in the greater circumstances around us that you know the great promise of recovery hasn't necessarily materialized for everybody so people are making the best of it with the tools and the ideas that they have and how did you find kind of drawing up this list and kind of like going back and delving into the nostalgia uh if, if that's what you want to call some of the bands who have been and gone because some ba- like i don't know about you but i was thinking about some bands and i was like it's almost blink and you miss it kind of like looking yeah. back in terms of the 10 years isn't it because that you define and you still define a lot of bands by albums yeah i think whereas you know some people are almost like one and done with a single and you know they just want to get it out there and then you have a great single under under your belt and then there might not be anything else so it's kind of like trying to figure all that out i, fa- I found it was kind of like Geez, were they this year? Were they that year? Were they? How, what did they do? And wh- yeah. what happened to them? That's been the big thing here. In that, you know, you kind of sent on the rough list to me last night, and just even last night and this morning, kind of mind mapping everything that happened from your own memory and your own experience in the last ten years. And I think it's just lucky that the two of us are kind of old enough now to have been around a scene for ten years or so, and to have, you know, occupied different roles in it. That you know, that you understand the importance of different scenes, different genres, different artists, etc. And bodies of work vary from person to person, you know, uh, or from or from artist to artist. Even, I mean, you could have a band like Former Monarchs who had one really, really good album and one really, really good EP. And we're a really good live band. They were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah. And I mean. 
again, we could talk about individuals in different bands who then also went off to do their own festivals, went off to start booking gigs, started their own blogs and other you know platforms to be heard on as well. And Venn Diagram not only extends then between you know groups of people and musical genres, etc., but also between media you know pursuing to it as well. So yeah, it, it was a difficult enough one in the here, and I'm just about lucky enough to have like two A4 pages with just like nicely bulleted lists of. <laughs> talking points under various um under various things suggested as well as like a massive paragraph on 2010 and kind of how we got into cork music just before that time do you want to start there well i mean like i moved to cork in 2008 because you know i wanted to start a band and then that never materialized so i got into blogging and running gigs specifically because you know you see that there's a scene happening in front of you um you know my first couple of visits into Plugged would have been 2006, 2007, where I would have seen stuff that would have been happening there. Like, um, was it 2008? I Eat Your Face's first demo was like photocopied um, CD cover, like a DVD case. That more kind of more innocent times. More innocent times. But like, just walking into it and seeing that there was such eclectic stuff happening and people were genuinely putting their heart and soul into music, um, that if you could do some small service by it whether that's blogging or whether that's putting on a gig upstairs in like freds or in the quad or what have you um you know that you were giving into a scene that you took so much from yourself in terms of enjoyment and in terms of listening to tunes the whole time so there is nothing better than just seeing like a local band just playing a really really great show like i'm sure that one of your gigs of the decade uh and maybe the first band that we'll talk about is altered hours at live at saint luke's um the gig of the decade uh, at the jazz weekend in 2017 2017 yeah I, I actually missed it i saw them in 2019 in saint luke's but like so many people for weeks months after that 2017 jazz weekend show were just like they couldn't get the words out. i can't get the words out of what what they were trying to say for altered hours because altered hours um are a band who have been going for the full decade and they released one uh, really great album in the middle of it a couple of songs and a couple of amazing live shows uh throughout as well and so i, I made this music magazine in 2013 with some friends called we play here and it was the idea was kind of trying to cover some of the Cork scene and um, Altered Hours were like the main band that I wanted to get featured because they felt like such a special band. And here we are like years and years later and they still feel like such a special band, don't they?
quite a special band. And on the topic of the 2017 jazz gig, my thoughts emerging from it was that we kind of, we've just witnessed a band arriving into themselves. And I know that that's like very hyperbolic and I know that that's very kind of high praise, but you know, the, the joy of the Altered Hours has always been to me, you know, you're seeing five people up on stage and not only do they really vibe off each other musically, but they vibe off each other personally. Like they're really, really good friends that have been in the trenches together for 10 years. Um, so when you see, you can look at the Altered Hours, you can look at one person in the Altered Hours and be mesmerized with what they're doing. Or you can step back a little bit and you can see any two of the Altered Hours, how they interact off each other, how they kind of, how their presence is complementary to each other. And then watching the whole thing, just kind of the, the whole five piece working together. It's, it's a thing of beauty that that's been kind of well hewn and well honed over the last decade. And it's just great to see that other people are trying to are, are cottoning onto that as well. I mean, the fact that they were out supporting Fontaine's DC on their European tour and it sounded like it was great. I wish I had gone to, gotten to see them playing a show together, but they seem like almost a match made in heaven for me. I... And delighted that they managed to get out to Europe and I really hope that, that tour kind of opens up more further opportunities for them. I mean, like playing all these legendary venues around the place and, you know, the Fontaines have their momentum as well and that's great. But I'm really looking forward to see what the knock-on effect is now for the Altered Hours in terms of casual recognition. And in terms of Cork music, Altered Hours are probably a good band to start with just because of their various side projects mm -hmm. as well. Morning Vales are probably the one to jump to mind for me. Um, that's Elaine Howley's side project with... Ashling O'Riordan and Rothman Steer. Uh, which I really enjoyed those gigs. Um, what, but you have a list of like side projects that they were also involved in, like all of the members have been involved in. Well, this is a by no means comprehensive list of side projects regarding the Altered Hours. But as you mentioned there, Morning Veils. Uh, the Grave Lanterns, who literally creeped up for one yeah, uh, brief, single. Brief, brief but uh, pleasurable. Yeah, they burned brif brightly but briefly. Uh, Saint Yorda, uh, Related in personnel, but also in recording with Cahill uh, before Kevin had joined the Altered Hours. Uh, the Tan Jackets as a side project with Dan and Keelan, uh, covering the 60s psychedelia and proto-punk that really informed so much of all of their development and all of their songwriting uh, in throughout, throughout our decade. Sky Horse and Death, uh, Kevin Terry's solo project that released some stuff through Can't Cope recordings. Elaine Howley, Solo, she's just released... Um, that, that was one of your favourite singles of the year, you said that yeah. on the Nile of Nine. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It's one of those where, you know, these end-of-year lists are always so subjective and people get so head up about being chosen and not being chosen. And to me, I just went in strictly to that list, like, this. what have I gone back to over the course of the year? And Song for Mary Black was one of those, and, you know, she's just had a second one now, Ruin, go out through the Unseen mixtape. Um, that was released off the back of the Unseen Bazaars happening down in Limerick as well. Yeah, I mean, like, those, the roots of that band go so deep and everything about it is so inured to the development of music in Cork City uh, over the past 10 years. I mean, Senior Infants, that was another one we could get into as well. Yeah, and, and just the way that, say, uh, Kevin Terry there, you mentioned uh, St. Yorder, who were this kind of fun, uh, kind of rickety pop uh, yeah. trio. Um, they released a great single. Post-Futurist. It was, yeah. It was so good, and their designs were all really, really good as well. I thought that they were they were um, so much fun, and I really enjoyed them. And they're, they're kind of what I was talking about earlier. You know, they shone very briefly, but for those couple of months or that year or two that they were uh, going concern, it was, uh, it was great seeing them live. Uh -huh. 
Disco was a great tune, and I remember similarly the B side of that had a video game attached to it as a companion <laughs> piece. Oh wow! It was developed in Unity, uh, but the EP that they did prior to that, some songs we recorded with Cahill, is just this lovely, again, rickety is a, is 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 a lovely term for it. Um, just this lovely kind of bare bones, um, minimalist future pop with kind of surf rock intonations in some places as well. So like uh, a lovely project and one that would, you know, be very important to the further development of weird music in Cork's for the 2010s. And, and and another band that uh, Kevin Terry plays with as well, uh, pretty regularly, I think, is Fixity, who yeah. is Dan Walsh. Dan Walsh, so indelible in uh, this Cork scene he's played with. Like too many, too many bands to mention, too many acts to mention Can't and involved in, day, yeah. yeah, and in various jazz acts as well particularly seen like on a weekly basis you yeah. know like he's he's always got something happening and that's great to see but i guess his main baby now maybe after the great balloon race the great balloon race were a band were a band are a band i'm not sure of their current status um they released they released a couple of albums um two really really good albums that are kind of like grizzly bear i would say would be the main um influence there but fixity kind of took hold it's this improv project that he does with um a couple of uh musicians from sweden and various others as well such as kevin terry such as like another couple of artists it could be anyone and i guess that that's one of the things about cork as well is the improv scene is very strong here and it seems very welcoming as well that all stems from kind of maybe two major sources wherein um, everyone knows about the Quiet Club, the avant-garde um, collective that's situated uh, from the Shandon Guesthouse. They've been together forever, um, members of which include uh, Danny McCarthy, the legendary performance artist that helped bring the Fluxus performance art form to Ireland uh, in the 70s and 80s. Um, Mick O'Shea, you know, a catalyst for sound art and improvisation and the man that's invited so many others into that facility and helped create a community presence for the avant-garde in the city, but also Stet Lab, um, Hanerell Park, the improvisation lecturer, um, that would have worked with a lot of um, musicians in Cork City as part of their music degree in UCC, uh, just kind of getting into the bones of of improvisation, of what it is to create sound art, etc., and then creating a monthly residency for it in the Roundy at the time. Um, recordings of that are still online uh, on his website as well, and that would have been a feature of the early 2010s in that respect, and from there would have sprung things like uh, Siapotkotsk, uh, the Mursk Collective, that would have also featured members of the Altered Hours, members of Solmus, um, Laserface, James O'Gorman, um, the lad then that kind of overtook the running of the Mursk Collective for a time, was also involved with Siapotkotsk and a bunch of other kind of projects that would have gigged very, very briefly. Deadlands, I remember, being a a countrified, a, a desert drone band that featured Paddy Cullen from the Altered Hours very briefly as well. Um, of course, we can't talk about the avant-garde in Cork over the 2010s without Vicky Langan, the Queen Bee of Irish Noise, and not just in her capacity as a performance artist, as a as a film artist, and as a sound artist in particular, but also as a promoter with the Black Sun Nights that used to happen in the pavilion and other places. Getting really acclaimed like acts and bringing them to Cork City and putting on these shows that if you didn't go or if you didn't know that it was on, you would hear about it the next week because people were like, my mind was blown at that show. Yeah. But that was the beauty of Black Sun. You know, it was word of mouth. It really kind of established itself from early excursions to, I remember going to the first big one in the pavilion and it would have been 
full up and you know, there would have been stalls all along the side where the where the side bar is in Dali now with just sevens and um the the loud not quiet um magazine thing that published for one issue and was like 300 pages of just this immediate almost impenetrable introduction to 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 noise and sound art uh, all around Europe the experimental stuff and some of the venues that you mentioned there do you think that there is still an there's definitely an audience for it are there still the venues plugged is the main one that jumps out uh for me that used to be in uh Triscoll Art Center and uh plugged in Gulp uh rip for for one of them but plugged is still ongoing upstairs in uh the roundy and it's still putting on these really acclaimed shows um i was talking to uh declan sinnott recently and he was just talking about a show that he put on before christmas on a monday night and he was saying like you know i wasn't wasn't too sure about it but that it was absolutely mind-blowingly good and it's just you've got to have these outlets and these small spaces that are going to not take a chance but just support you and offer the space and I just wonder are there other places at the moment or would that be one concern that you'd have that these small spaces are the ones that you're going to lose like these places for like 50 people these like big living rooms almost I would be afraid of that for reasons that we've seen around the UK and now we're starting to see in Dublin as well and that is you know the property boom um, has been a real factor into things going up all around existing venues that have been there forever um, you know hotels office blocks etc no thought is given to soundproofing and then when it comes time that you know a venue has been in your neighborhood for 20 30 40 years etc starts making noise and starts putting out your people you know the applications go around the complaints start getting made etc and you know, slowly but surely the venue turns itself down and eventually kind of disappears. I would hope that's not the case going forward with the small rooms that we have left. Because you know, the, the, the recession at the beginning of the decade cruelly took away a lot of places that we all loved. And I mean, I know now that the quad has been, is beginning to become over-romanticized when we talk about it in terms of social media. But like, um, we loved that place. All of us did. So a couple of great acts there, and they they put on some some really acclaimed bands really as well. Did. I remember seeing Crystal. I think it was Crystal Fighters in there, but it was a Crystal something band. And Not Crystal Castles, who just played twenty minutes in Cypress Avenue and blew it off. <laughs> and and the ping pong as well with Albert, who we mentioned yeah. earlier, maybe in um, the previous decade. I guess one 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 of the acts who are maybe associated with that that venue are KVX yeah. as well, who were were right at the start of the decade, weren't they? I they think were. They yeah. ended in uh, twenty eleven. Was it twenty eleven? It was twenty eleven except their last gig at the pavilion yeah they dj'd every second week in addition to gigging regularly at the quad as well they had a, a night there called single female lawyer and they had that every second week with seven mini i can't remember the name of their night that was happening there though yeah like i i know that pillow queens have cited kvx as an influence so you just never know where where they're going to come from and like the even though it's so long ago you yeah. know in one sense it's you, you you leave an impression and and that's the best thing and you don't know where it's being picked up yeah yeah because that's been again the big thing of this decade has been the internet uh you know people can go looking for things that have that are similar to them or what they want to accomplish and end up finding an entirely new influence on themselves and where do you want to go from now we talked about fixity a little bit there can we talk about like MVPs in Cork music a little bit that, <laughs> you know individuals that have really I love kind of contributed I love it yeah um, two people kind of come to mind and I'm not singling these two individuals out for individual praise more so than anybody else <laughs> but when sitting but down but gold stars too gold stars too um, I suppose when we 
look at two individuals that kind of emerged from the early 2000s broad alternative thing that was happening in Cork. Uh, can we get a bula bus for Rory Dale, who for the entire decade, you know, has been everywhere from Agitate the Gravel and Dead School all the way up to today with Soft Focus and playing with Elaine Malone and all of this. I mean, and through Elastic Sleep and in the middle Elastic as Sleep. well, who are yeah. another really good band. They came out with an absolutely unbelievable debut single. on some really good shows as well they were a really great band they were and a lot of that was down to just kind of Rory being a really nice person but also really knowing his own strengths as a bassist you know being in love with texture being in love with just generally contributing overall to the direction of a sound being a bassist naturally you, you kind of have to not know your role as such, but like just kind of occupy your place in, in, in compositions and such. And I don't think Rory Dale gets enough credit for the contributions that he's made to the Cork scene in the last 10 years, not only as a player, but as just a person that has put his all into helping run gigs, helping promote gigs, and just generally talk up the Cork scene. Um, when he wasn't playing with bands, he was volunteering for festivals as a steward and just generally putting his shoulder to the wheel for many, many years. And, you know, he's such a dude in that respect that... Uh, I don't think he get. I don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves. Uh, the other person I was going to talk about was uh, Jonathan Pearson because we talk about former Monarchs and they had a really good run in the early part of the decade, uh, and then his solo classical neoclassical project, uh, Northside Drive, released two or three EPs and singles in the middle of the decade, and it was just some stunning, stunning stuff. Um, my frame of reference isn't the greatest regarding um, contemporary classical music. I kind of took it on its own. Uh, merits as you know Johnny from 
from We Were Kings. And it was some mind-blowing stuff that kind of led to a greater appreciation on my end of contemporary uh, composition. And then as he progressed, he got into management more. He manages Ye Vagabonds and... You know, he's doing a fantastic job with the Islander Presents stuff that he does, uh, the co-production documentaries that he does with Miles O'Reilly. The St. No Disco have been a tremendous showcase of folk and traditional music in Cork City and beyond. Um, And the work that he's done, first of all, with the Forte Festival, where he, you know, put his his effort into the first festival in the city, not the first festival in the city, but a festival of contemporary classical music that, you know, spanned a bunch of, different venues, and that in turn led to Quiet Lights Festival that we're now seeing, which kind of takes in the broader scope of uh, trad, new folk, singer-songwriter stuff, avant-garde, experimental, and contemporary composition as well. So two kind of MVPs um, that I I would point out in terms of the overall development of the scene that kind of goes beyond genres and Venn diagrams. Yeah, and just from my part, I think Ashling and Keelan as well. Everybody just knows them by their first name, I think. Yeah. Know, well, Bonnie and Cher, Ashling and Keelan. I'm looking at the list here of stuff, and they have their own entire subsection of, 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 like, of, of, uh, of accomplishments. Acts that they've been in, involved with as Acts well. that they've been involved with, things that they have done, etc. Well, well, let's list it. Because let's they, list it. Yeah, just, just go for it. Okay, so um, being part of the... The, the general team for the pavilion uh, at the start of the decade, um, co-founding the Southern Hospitality Board and putting on gigs at the Triscoll with the help of Jimmy Horgan, etc. after the pavilion shuttered, uh, being prolific DJs around the city under their own names, including the silent discos happening every year as part of the Collins Live Music Festival, the silent disco there. Um, Southern Club, they ran a couple of weekenders and gigs and a trip away to West Cork, I think. Um, under the Sudden Club name as well. I remember going to the Sudden Club weekender and losing my rag uh, <laughs> at seeing Rusangano for the first time. Um, we can't talk about the two of them without talking about Quarter Block. Um, you know, Coming up, 6th to the 8th of February. This is it. Uh, for all, more information, check out quarterblockparty.com. Uh, the first Quarter Block Party is one of my favorite memories of this decade. When is that? 2014? 20... Yeah, because yeah, they were running a couple of um, quarters, as in like every quarter yeah. there was an event. Uh, there was. The Quarter Collective, which, which took in so many people that we kind of discussed already, different people from these bands were kind of using Quarter as a... As, as a testing base, so to speak, for, you know, for, for new music, for discussions, for performative conversation, for visual installations, etc. Quarter was stationed where Bunker Vinyl is now for a period as well, before moving over to the Triscoll for a, a quarterly organization. Um, but but you, you, you were going to talk about your, fir- your first quarter block party. Uh, like the first quarter block party was like, I was, I was writing it up for the thin air at the time. So, you know, I kind of had to be every place. In fact, Breed was taking the photography for it, Breed O'Donovan. Um... And I just remember just being overwhelmed by, you know, seeing North Main Street, the bottom of Shandon and South Main Street, just that historic spine, as we're as we're calling it now, um, just kind of overwhelmed with a sense of community and with a sense of creativity being on the street, being able to walk up and down and seeing something different happening in each nook and cranny. It was magic. And it's that magic that, to me, exemplifies and typifies not only Quarter Block Party as a going concern and as a rallying point for people that want to do new things in the city and kind of really show, you know, the country and the world what what Cork City can do and what its constituent parts can do. Uh, but but as a real kind of rallying point that people can see, you know, in their backyards, look, there's so many different things happening. There's so many things that I can do with my creativity. There's so many different things that I can take on. And it's a, it's a reminder of the, 
the potency and the power of the DIY ethic the DIY, and the DIY Atmos, I suppose. And and Ashling and Keelan as well are involved in various other projects like yeah, um, yeah. the Good Room Promoters, uh, Live at St. Luke's, the Kino, the re- newly reopened Kino. The Kino had quite a tumultuous decade as well, it didn't it? It really, really had. Closing, reopening, closing, reopening. Different uh, managements, different yeah. philosophies, uh, different media. Great, great curtain now, though. Probably the best curtain in the city, I'm going to say, at the back of that stage. Oh, yeah. It um, is beautiful, and it just—it's so dramatic, and it works with every single lighting uh, configuration everybody loves you can it. think of. Everybody loves it's it. It's tremendous. That's the that's the MVP for like stage decoration of the decade. Yeah, just straight like, away coming in there right at the end of the decade. Silver velour. I mean, but there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about that really. And, and kind of, it takes a village as well. And it takes a village. Involved. You know, I had we the could, list we here. Could go on. We, we could go we on. We could go on. Just some other bits and pieces to kind of mention on that list because I was going to get into good room kino. Uh, it takes a village. Um, Saint Keelan, yeah, actually, or and or Keelan Sherlock solo, uh, Shaker him. Uh, Keelan's done a lot. Uh, Circus Cat was Circus Cat last decade. It was. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, that was pre my time in Cork. I think. Okay, then it would have been last decade. So, but Ashling's involvement with Morning Veils, uh, her involvement with Hex as well, um, a tremendous musician that just kind of really has taken on herself to do so much and to make as authoritative a mark as possible she's been so supportive of so many artists that have come through she's worked a lot with russ and gano family you know the amount of artists that she has booked alongside keelan that have gone on to make indelible marks in the cork music scene as well has been tremendous as well so when we talk about mvps i mean we could point out so many mvps as well like it's 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 tremendous and it's really a good reflection of i suppose the effort that they've put into something that at times can feel hopeless (laughs) attempting to kind of run shows and trying to make people care uh, and then you see at the end of it that, you know, the, the wider footprint is there. The wider Venn diagram has been established. coming back to the music side of things oh emperor are a band who won the choice prize uh, yes. last year and you know are they a cork band uh i think that they were, were here and have influenced enough people that you can classify them as well, a cork hardly band. a waterford band <laughs> do you know and uh well well now like they're they're kind of spread all over the place so yeah. um it, w- it was nice to have them around for a while and i guess really leaving an impression on alder dowers with whom they shared a studio space yeah too and i think everybody in cork was just like you know fair play to them for winning the choice prize you know didn't think it would happen and delighted that they deservedly won it Mm. 
I was on the judging panel for that, so I can't. Oh, of course, I, I can't, of course. Ah, you I'm can divulge a... everything. I was talking to someone else who was on that judging panel as well recently, Dean Van Dean Van Nguyen, and yeah. he didn't divulge too much, but you can spill the beans. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, know, I get you don't have when to. I spill you... the beans on things, so <laughs> I, I'll not say, but I will say that uh, it was a hard-won victory for O Emperor against the field of talent that they had out. Uh, last year as part of the Choice Music Prize, and it's another, it, it's an, it's another uh, difficult field to choose an album from. Personally, and and Mick Flannery, Cork Act Flannery, yeah. is up on the, up on the list as well. Can we make it two in a row? Can we make it two in a row? I bloody well hope so. Yeah, I mean, O Emperor were a band that you know, in addition to kind of leaving their mark around the place and leaving influence all over the place, you know, people rightly get frustrated when you know people think of O Emperor as that band that got signed to a major label and then went off and did their own thing. People have tweeted about that, especially their last round of press uh, before they called it a day pre-Choice Music Prize last year. Um, and they were right to be frustrated too because, I mean, you look at the Lizard EP, you look at um, you look at Jason. What a piece of work. And a piece of work that was stitched together from other ideas as well. This kind of Frankenstein's monster of grooves and psychedelia. And you know, it's just an amazing piece of work and an amazing band that have, more so than anything else, bridged gaps between people's perceptions of what can be done regarding genres, regarding improvisation, semi-improv, and, you know, consummate musicians, consummate songwriters and creators, and ultimately, as we're seeing now with other projects that they have as well, um, consummate creators. And coming back to that experimental band as well, Mm -hmm. The Bonk, or a side project, or or a spin-off, I guess, of of Oemper, who are doing really good things. Um, Coming to their own now, really. And another couple of acts there that I think that we can go back a little bit. Young Wonder band who uh, shouldn't be forgotten about. Um, no, they shouldn't. Because uh, they and Feel Good Lost and Brendan Canty, as well as another MVP that we could mention who's made loads of videos probably most um, uh, successfully. By uh, far the most successful videographer of the last decade. Uh, Hosier, take me to church. Yeah. Um, Emmett O'Reevick still gets friend requests from people off the back of that video. <laughs> that's what thing. I've heard. Uh, but yeah, Young Wonder, and he kind of uh, helped cultivate Young Wonder, who was a two-piece. It was Ian Ring and uh, Rachel was the vocalist, and they were really, really good. And it took them a while to find their feet, but then uh, I really liked their ambition and their... I, I guess maybe driven by Brendan a little bit, the kind of the visual ideas that they had and they made really stunning uh, videos and their artwork was really good and their um, uh, press photography was good. They kind of had the full package when other bands didn't really know what the package might look like. Or what the package even was or how they go about sending it about, you know?
Brendan Canty is an incredible esthete. I mean, just as you bring up his body of work, I think of the press photography that we got from Young Wonder. I think of the album covers. I think of the big videos and just the panorama of it all and the direction it all took. And there was nothing else like it at the time. Same thing with Talos. He's such a filmmaker, has such a mind for presentation, has such a mind for perception and what goes into, you know, the minute details that go into leaving a lasting impression. Um, Young Wonder and Talos are kind of two peas in a pod. I, I know that's kind of an uneasy thing to, to say, but like Young Wonder, very definitely, you know, kind of influenced by Scandinavian pop, but very definitely like in a Corkonian accent, very definitely something that was identifiably Cork, even if it was incredibly polished. Because you know, like a lot of Cork music, a lot of the charm comes from you know, the fact that it is DIY and that it is of its own volition. This was DIY on another scale. This was, you know, painstaking effort that went into every aspect of presenting an artist like Young Wonders. Same thing with Talos. Uh, Talos springing from Hush Warcry, who were, you know, a post-rock band that never got their dues, I felt. Kind of cultivated uh, by Brendan again. I think that they were on his uh, Feel Good Last label yeah. for a while and put out some stuff very... Uh, I, I would say that they were very indebted to wild beasts mm-hmm. then they kind of spun off owen the lead singer in talos and in hush work i kind of i guess found found a new style and uh i think it's been wildly successful Massive for success. him uh, his debut album wild ali was nominated for the choice prize and i think uh the al- the second album that was released right at the start of 2019 could have been nominated but it was i think it was kind of last in the 12 months that followed you know it could have been nominated for this year's choice prize but his his growth as a live performer as well is unbelievable because I saw Hush Warcry and I, I got what they were doing, but it didn't really do it for me. And I remember the beginning of um, uh, Talos and it was kind of figuring things out. There were two piece, three piece. Uh, and I remember the first time that I saw them as a fully fledged Talos. And it was as part of an Icelandic tour, actually, as you mentioned, Icelandic music um, down in Dabara's uh, midweek gig. And they just blew my mind because they feature uh, members from Connolly's of Lep, who are they're from Lep and played in various bands. And I wouldn't known them when I was growing up in in uh, Ross Carberry. They went to to school um, with me, so it was just kind of like, wow, I haven't seen these guys in in a couple of years. How did this happen? That they they've suddenly just become this absolute behemoth of a live act, and yeah, ju- just a phenomenal achievement, and just the growth and the uh ambition i think is probably a word that i would use to describe young wonder and talos i think that they had ambition um young wonder certainly achieved a lot of goals and i think that they will look back and be quite happy at what they achieved as well i think they should in terms of talos you know the whole meme that went through the ringer there recently about start of the decade versus end of the decade um in 2011 i would have seen hush war cry at Bourbon Street, which is a short-lived venue from McCurtain Street. It's now the White Rabbit Barbecue, I think. Um, and I really liked what they were doing. Like, I could tell that like, it was at the beginning of, I think it was their first EP that, around the time they were bringing out under the name Hush Warcry. Right? Or they had released material to some extent. My memory of that is particularly hazy. And I just remember being really into what they were doing in terms of like a compacted post-rock thing. Flash forward to the jazz in 2018, I think it was, in in the Opera House, seeing them with the full band lineup after Wildly had been reissued under BMG when they, when, because Own French got signed to Sony, etc. Um, and that's been a real kind of driver for the success of everybody that's been associated with it as well. And just 
it was another one of those moments where you see an artist arrive at their element where they're in their own skin they found their element and people are really responsive to it and that was another kind of bookmark moment in terms of evidence of the development of music in cork city and the, the constituent parts of it and i think uh uh, Owen French as well will just be like beaming ear to ear at the fact that his decade was ending with him making music in Eau Claire with the likes of Bonnie Bear and John Hopkins as well. He was making music at that and I think that they're all going to be back doing more of it in Eau Claire in Minnesota, Green Bay area um, next summer, which uh, should be really great. And Sounds from a Safe Harbour as well is something that we can yeah. talk about. This this uh, thing, this festival, uh, three editions of it have happened um, every second every year, second starting year. from 2015, kind of curated by the National and Mary Hickson, who started out in the Opera House at the start of the decade and now is traveling all around the world and doing amazing amazing things and cultivating this real sense of collaboration between these big artists and smaller artists as well it's great to see uh Owen French doing uh so well it's great to see the festival scene having kind of taken off in its own right as well in Cork over the past decade as well because at the outset of it we would have maybe had independence every year and that would have been it and really that was in its kind of middle iterative stages as well uh flash forward to today where you have sounds from a safe harbor every second year you have quarter block party you have different all dares pertaining to different specialist genres like you have monolith for metal you have the cutting heads collective weekender for hip-hop um summer festivals you know for a couple of years in the middle of the decade you had townlands carnival providing an alternative independence has grown to i think it's fifteen thousand capacity now um kind of at a crossroads in terms of attracting a wide cross-section of music fandom um, in and around the, the general kind of Cork and Munster area as well as from further afield. So, I mean, like, by all metrics, I suppose, you can look at Cork music's growth through festivals, through all dares, through talent, through the turnover of venues. And you can see that, it, like, that it's always, always held steady even if it's on uncertain ground sometimes. And following on from that, one band that I really associate with festivals and, you know, kind of the middle of summer and them soundtracking, like, some of my favourite, like, hours or 45 minutes at a festival is Shoegrass. Hear ye, hear ye. A call to attention for the celebration of the gods. Yes, we welcome you to the Academy of Unification. And now it's time to unleash your big bitch energy. kind of strike me as you know they have the visual element that young wonder and uh, talos have too and they've really developed over the years and they're a kind of a funk 
soul five five six piece i think that they're probably like a nine piece as well that i've seen them as i've seen them as like multiple things and multiple ideas that they've had and it all culminated in uh the release of their debut album last october which is really really great they began as mustache latte if you remember uh, in in the pavilion put on just just by the guys and you know just an idea that someone has and then you see the way that it snowballs i suppose yeah i mean it really took root and it really became something other in that before it would have been like you know a funk band a soul band etc just people kind of exploring mutual influences in that respect to you have now you know i i said it in totally dublin plug plug um that my trope with them has always been that it's been music equally for the dance floor and for the walk home alone you know they've drawn influences from all over the contemporary sphere and they've created this really kind of futuristic, not even retro-futuristic, because that would have been a trope that would have been kind of very easy for them to go by, but really kind of carving their own niche and their own sound out of all of these things that they have, where nothing is lost to accessibility, but neither nothing is lost to to sophistication either. And in that respect, you know... That album of theirs also is really, really a good reflection on how they are live, where there's all these intricate things that you can kind of pick out by seeing them a couple of times and really get into. Like I was at a party uh, recently and uh, they played Big Bitch Energy by Shugra and oh man, it's just such a killer song. Like it's just so much fun. And that album is every, you know, it's got everything. It's got like the high points and, you know, the kind of the more somber points, but it's just a, a really, really great album. It doesn't sacrifice intellect for emotion either i mean like don't want to doubt you is the perfect statement of the new normal you know and just their ability to kind of grasp and hold on to issues while also keeping you engaged on the you know on the on on the musical level as well is something that i think is under underappreciated regarding shulker in the first place i mean remember woman and the video for that being another uh, bookmark point for music in cork uh, in them toward the latter part of the decade as well uh just the fact that shukra want to open up conversations as well as open up dance floors i think is the is, is the highest um, praise that you can sing of them yeah and and just speaking of how i think of them as such a great live band one of the bands that uh ended this decade was fred who uh had been a going concern for uh, a long time and i got to see their final show in 2013 in the pub i think they did a couple of shows like which followed a couple of years of them playing the opera house and uh, just being a really, really fun band and at festivals as well. I don't know if they ever quite got the dues that they deserve, but uh, they've got some killer songs in there. And I remember that final show at the Pavilion. It was just so much fun. I think that there was a lot of uh, crowd surfing at the end. I think that there was a lot of tears at the end as well. But um, then Joe from the band has gone on to work down in Levis's in Ballad Hub. And really built that up from scratch. And people love him as much. Like, he's just such a, a... great guy who you can like oh joe is it i think i've seen you around and then you just end up having like an hour-long conversation with him because he's just the nicest guy and people love going to ballady hob now and that's i guess one of the things as well about the past maybe the second half of the decade is that there are these other like there's almost a, a a live circuit of cork that you can do and you can be traveling around the place the wild atlantic way if you want you know and uh get down to Debarra, like from West Corkways anyway, uh, Debarra's Conley's Alep and then continue out another half hour to leave us as a Ballady Hob.
then you've got uh, the Sea Church who are after opening up in Ballycotton. Yeah, their first shows are starting at the end of um, February, aren't they? Lisa they Hannigan are, yeah. is launching it and Mick Flannery is playing and I think that they've, they've announced, announced Frank, Frank and Walters, Walters too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that circuit as well, but also like the arts festivals that have been happening in smaller towns in North Cork, West Cork as well. Mallow Arts Festival, uh, Skibbereen Arts Festival, uh, the East Cork Chamber Music Festival. Uh, just the various literary festivals that have taken on kind of musical elements as well have been tremendous as well. And these are all building blocks regarding the development of music around the county uh, that get forgotten. I mean, look at the Serious Arts Centre in Cove. That presents such an open book of so many different art forms and media and is so kind of carefully looked after by the people involved. And you know, Miranda has just um, has, has just taken her leave. Uh, Danny McCarthy, who we made mention of earlier, um, is on the board as well. And he was a founding member of the Triscoll all the way back when as well. So, I mean, like, there's so many different concerns happening around the county that maybe aren't taken as part of the whole until you kind of look back at it and go, you know, this is what's important for maintaining a presence because it's all well and good for us to be living in the city, etc., having escaped uh, the countryside to talk about what we're into now. But, you know, life goes on for people that want to kind of go elsewhere for work or people that want to, to, to raise families or live differently. And I think, you know, every small town around Ireland deserves some some nook or cranny or some shibin where um, weird music can, can, can go down. Maybe just before we uh, kind of finish up and talk about some of the younger and up and coming acts, maybe we're looking forward to hearing from uh, this decade. Uh, what other acts do you want to mention? I know that speculative fiction was one that uh, you had said to me that you wanted to give uh, a special mention because he's, I guess he's like an MVP as well. He's collaborated he really with is. so many people. I think he's he's a produ- is he a producer? Or is he he a- produces, he raps, um, he promotes gigs. Uh, Firstly, under the Cutting Heads Collective um, umbrella and now on his own little bit with Just Me with Dead Right. I mean, we talk about communities that have weathered the storm uh, in Cork music. You need to look at the hip-hop community in general. I mean, from the outset where there was a lot of good stuff happening with Stevie and Jam and stuff that was happening in the Pavilion on a regular basis to the Pavilion closing and the Lifestyles Festival kind of following it two years later after it had a year or so in the Camden Palace to kind of various gigs that would have happened kind of independently and just me kind of taking a look at people around them and going okay let's put a collective together let's put heads together let's do a residency let's do various big gigs and try and kind of nurture boom bap hip-hop scratchology hip-hop and various alternative strains of hip-hop and in that time you know aside from you know the, the lads working with chris power uh shiv brosnan being a massive part of that and also of the techno scene in cork in particular um you also had people like Itchy, who was a fantastic scratchologist that was just just, just always appearing at Cutting Heads Collective and always putting in top quality performances. But you also had younger artists then kind of take that stamp and realize, okay, we can set up a collective, we can we can do this. So Outsider YP, the, the former Young Phantom leading Outsider Ent, and really working with not only with other rappers and other producers, but with other designers and, you know, consciously opening up that relationship as opposed to it just being a commission like will you do my artwork for me like an ongoing relationship that extended into audio and video into museum installations he launched his album at the Glucksman uh, up in UCC as well just one of those outfits that's been kind of the end result of a lot of ambition and a lot of just kind of reaching into the community to make different things happen and different things work. Um, And now you look at the hip-hop scene now where people are starting to emerge from the music generation up in Cork City. I mean, we can talk for ages about the young kids that are doing the Young Offenders rap, but also Gatch uh, is somebody that I think is going to make a big splash in 2020 and beyond. Uh, A very verbose, very 
distinctly accented rapper that is going to offer something different to Cork music, I believe, uh, in particular with his work with speculative fiction as a producer as well. And that's a dude that's kind of sharpening up his uh, production chops as well. But you also have like different kind of odd things that have come from Cork music um, or from Cork hip hop in the in the 2010s. I mean, there's always been a sense of humor to Cork music. You know, you look at the Sultans of Ping uh, or, you know, or, or similar to that. And I think that that sense of humor has kind of reflected itself a little bit further in hip hop, and to a lesser extent, I, I wanted to talk about "I'll Eat Your Face" a little bit regarding the earlier bit of the the decade as well. But it appears that we're running out of time. So, um, but like in terms of hip hop, you know, not only being a voice for you know self expression and not only being a voice for community, but also for comedy. Uh, you look at Crackboy Mental and Slickest of the Rickest for two lads that have utilized different strains of comedy, whether it's kind of Crackboy's more uh, eclectic stuff or Slickest of the Rickest going straight for kind of accent comedy and and, and, and referential humour in that respect. Um, it speaks to the diversity of sounds. It speaks to the different uses for the hip-hop sound that different artists will have. And I think that that's a little bit of an untold story. Or even like Run the Jukes, which is like this really obscure side project of Mickey B-Side from the Cutting Heads Collective and uh, Jimmy Penguin from Galway, the Community Scratch Games. Uh, a fantastic EP that I think doesn't get enough love. Um, the Kralbum, I think it's called. And it's just all this weird kind of juxtaposition of angular electronics and bassy music and weird samples. And it's just like, I could, I could gush forever about Cork Hip Hop in particular, but yeah, we could be here for ages. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and um, it's great to see Stevie G doing so much work with them as 18 well. 18 years, the week of recording. Uh, yeah, with and, Red FM. And, and I saw he's putting on a show, uh, Good Music, I think it's um, this Friday coming in Cypress Avenue and he's got Adajoki who's going to be playing as well, who's a really uh, cool up and coming uh, act as well from Cork. I don't know, is she from the music generation or something? But it's great to see just Stevie G just taking a punt on young young people. All the time, yeah. forever. I mean, from Ian Ring down to today, that's yeah. all been... Stevie. I think they're making music together as well, aren't they? As they are, yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully more of that to come as well. But I guess next generation, um, it, it looks like it's pretty okay, doesn't it? Um, the just, kids are all right. The kids are all right. We're getting I, to that age now, Owen. We can talk <laughs> about them as kids. In my oh. day, in the second issue, second and final issue of We Play Here that I did, we did an interview with um, the Careers, who were this kind of like Strokes-influenced uh, guitar uh, heavy, um, eight, full of 18-year-olds. I think that they were still in their leaving cert at the time of doing the interview. And um, they they put out a couple of songs, but I think that they kind of just kind of ran out of steam maybe a little bit. But from that, they spawned uh, Damsel, which is Luke O'Neill, which is a really, really... He's just got such a cool voice. I really like his kind of languid voice. And that Strokes influence is underpinning everything too. And Yankee as well have kind of come out of that too uh i think that they haven't released like a less than nine out of ten song i just think all of the singles that they've put out to date are are so good and their live show is brilliant as well and it sounds like they're getting good word of mouth away from cork too which is always the hard thing i saw them just before christmas and they've just got some really really killer songs to come to so i'm hoping to hear a lot more in this year and the next couple of years from yankee who are just like a fun kind of pop rock band i suppose
there's so much good and vibrant stuff of various degrees of pop accessibility that's coming from, um, I suppose, the, the newer wave of artists uh, coming out of Cork City. But as we were saying in Nyler before Christmas with the God Alone stuff, it's all firmly post-genre. You look at God Alone and they're a black metal band that are also into you know, Euro dance and into hip hop as well and kind of like, just like black metal with autotune. And and their their press photos, I think it's by Shane Hoare and Shane Hoare well. was another the, MVP of the decade. They're wearing like bright Hawaiian kind of shirts. It's yeah. like the weird it's it's so strange. They look like wow, they look like they're about to I don't know, head off to Ibiza or something, but instead yeah. they pick up the guitars and just uh play black metal, yeah. I love the willingness of artists now to be openly subversive mm. of the genre tropes that even 10 years ago they might have clung to a bit faithfully. Something like God Alone couldn't have happened 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, something like um, Ghost King is Dead wouldn't have happened 10 years ago where Matt Corrigan kind of takes his his uh, his natural inclinations towards um, you know sarcasm and folk music and kind of took it in a very kind of trappy, tropical direction almost. Things like the Hausu Collective, Teletext Records. This is the new infrastructure of Cork music. It's people coming together and providing each other with each other's skills in order to to, to raise the tide, to, to raise the water for all boats, so to speak. And that's been the most welcome change, I think, of the whole decade has been, you know, we can mourn the loss of venues and we can mourn the loss of individual promoters and we can wax lyrical about bands that have been and gone. But I think the most welcome change now is people have discovered each other and found each other and helped create foundations to be built upon in the coming years but yeah just look at like pretty happy look at bocatono uh look at things like the love buzz rappers like gatch there's so many different artists that i could get into i don't think we have time to talk about how many class <laughs> artists have immersed in the last couple of years as well um but yeah bands like baylor that have gone on to tour russia that have gone on to tour you know all over the uk and continental europe um Again, you mentioned in there um, Yankee and Damsel being two kind of real standouts in terms of that really lovely, not shambling, but just really kind of DIY rock stuff. Um, the st- the sun- can we talk about Sunshine Cult Records? Uh, please. St- I mean, like uh, Mark Waldron Hyden, ex the Sunshine Factory, and Jack Horgan, now of uh, Soft Focus, have put together uh, this tape label that has just put together so many class releases in the last year, even, where we have. Um, you know, Mark Waldron Hyden solo stuff, really kind of exploratory sound art and found sounds. Uh, we have Trofadine, which is a psychedelic folk outfit that last year released their debut album as a 54-minute single track recorded <laughs> up in UCC. Love it. Uh, Elaine Malone. And like, again, we could be here for ages talking about Elaine Malone in the second half of the decade, but her um, Mantua project just kind of improvisation around harmonium and guitar and the expansion of that to include violin and other elements uh, upcoming she's also a part of soft focus as well so i imagine that's going to be a big thing for sunshine cult alongside rory dale taking things all the way back to uh, mvps that we discuss um sunshine cult records are going to be a big factor for cork music heading into the next decade yeah and i guess maybe finally it's hard to predict what it's going to look like but are, are you positive about like what the next couple of years are going to bring like I, I always worry like is there you know sometimes you go to gigs and there's no audience there and you just wonder like uh w- will the audience continue to to come to these shows hopefully hopefully i think that you know you need you need the audience to to thrive and to for a little bit of money to be put back into the scene so hopefully um i don't know that would be one one concern that i would have but but that's 
I don't know. I think that's a wider thing too. I'm sure they've been asking that question since the Ark closed. Do you know? Where is going to be yeah, the next true. place to people to go? Where is going to be the next kind of... Where's the next thing coming from in terms of where we can base a scene, build a scene? What are people going to be playing? What are the crowds going to look like? You know, is there going to be a bigger casual following, etc.? Or are we going to be able to cleave to different people getting their information on gigs and on information on what a scene is from different spaces? Um, I also think that the mindset that a scene is defined by physical buildings, we've seen that turnover has happened over the last 10 years, etc. So people are a lot less wedded to to their rooms than they might have been 10 years ago because especially now with the housing boom we don't know what's going to survive we don't know what way the city centre is going to look in 10 years time we know that it's going to be expanding outward we know that the boundaries of the city have changed in the last year or so as well so in time that definition is also going to change with it in terms of you know, if a venue opens in Ballancolig or if a venue opens out in Glanmire, that's part of the city now and people living in Glanmire people in Ballancolig don't have to travel into the city to do it um, but I also think as well the decade has been defined by how we relate to each other via social media. And in a lot of cases, that's a lot of people's first stop for communication with each other before they meet up in person or before they see each other at a gig. I've been astounded the amount of younger people that have found myself on Facebook or Twitter, etc., and open up conversations there that have since turned into kind of great working relationships in music journalism or events in the real life space as well. And I think we have to kind of figure out a little bit how we're going to balance the use of secondary spaces like online or like Facebook groups now, for example, is the kind of the biggest thing at the minute. Everything from humorous posting to, you know, the, the various gig spamming groups that have that have existed. So I'm excited to see how the language of adapting to various spaces that we have all adopted in our daily lives, you know, we're different in person than we are on Facebook and again on Twitter and again on Instagram, etc. How that transpires to the various facets and the various degrees of engagement that that a scene becomes is going to be interesting to me, I think. Do you ever see yourself deleting your Facebook page? I've, I've like, wrestled with it before and I'm just, like, you know, ju just doing this, just doing the point of everything and just doing, you know, kind of, um, you know, events and planning and, and stuff like that. It's just, you kind of need Facebook to kind of yeah. know what's happening at the weekend. It's just, like, this necessary evil still, isn't it? Well, look at it. I put together the gig guide for Nile and... I have 30 venues and 30 different promoters bookmarked in my browser and they all go back to their Facebook event tabs. Yeah. Um, in terms of rolling information, there's no longer a magazine that you can get every week that's an omnibus of the press releases that reaches them every week, you know? Uh, so I think we are kind of welded to different platforms reaching us via different media. And this is a conversation I've had because, you know, just kind of looking back in the last 10 years personally, you know, I've occupied a lot of different roles and a lot of different jobs outside of music as well and a lot of it comes down to now how many spaces can I exist in while still having my mind do you know and as far as Facebook I kind of look at it like okay I'm 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 loath to let go of it because it's also attached to messenger and all of this and again organizing podcasts organizing articles talking to different people and just saying, just going to the about page of a band mm. and just saying like the members because you know it's yeah. just something like that where it's like I need to be on Facebook for that. Yeah, if you if you're writing an article etc. and you need to fill in surnames from 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 a flippant <laughs> yeah. mention of a first name as well, like even down to that detail for a music journalist can be so important. Um, but I think what we're going to see is people either giving up Facebook or, you know abandoning facebook in the next couple of years entirely because of the effect that it's had on people's lives and in the wider world but for now i'm kind of looking at sitting down for just a day and just kind of 
curating my Facebook newsfeed to just be music and or memes. Yeah. Uh, because news we can get... And that's the meme police coming for me now as a result of that. Um, because we can get our news from elsewhere, I think the news conversation needs to be directed away from social media because of disinformation. You and I could talk about this forever on a separate podcast. Um, I think that that's going to be one of the stories of the decade or of the next coming years. I think people are going to be like, actually, I don't need social media in my life. I, I wonder, I think, I think that that might be something that you can't discount. And for us as young media professionals, does this then pre- present us with the opportunity to define and present destination media as opposed to just something that's been newspapers there. folks go back to the newspapers go back to newspapers <laughs> or pick up your paywalls you know every little helps cool um on that note i think that i hope people had a pen and paper ready at the start because i think we got through a lot uh, well, i post the notes here oh, because wow, i just have two big a4 picture. pages here with just lists <laughs> and i'll reply to the the promo tweet for this with this list because i think yeah. we're gonna have to that's great that's a great idea um thanks a lot uh for doing this mike and uh best of luck i'm sure that you've got a busy weekend busy week busy year ahead there's a lot going on some of which i'm not at liberty to talk about but yeah an exciting 2020 ahead for many different reasons and i'm really looking forward to to seeing how cork music develops and for us to have this conversation again in another 10 years <laughs> yeah when the point of everything is kind of beamed directly into people's <laughs> brains via bone conduction. Yeah, when, I, <laughs> when I'm in my 40s, oh my God. Yeah, I know, right? Uh-huh.